Well, hey everyone, how are we doing? Good, so happy to see all of you. Some of you I don't know or don't know well, and we should meet afterwards if that's not too uncomfortable. You guys gonna eat the whole time? Is that like a thing you're gonna do? That's my daughter, I can do that to her. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a privilege to be a part of, uh, of you since we moved here two and a half years ago, and it is uh, awesome to labor with you and building what God's building, because Jesus is building his church, isn't he? Yes. And uh, we get to co-labor with him. So um, if your expectations are raised and you're all excited, I just ask you to humbly lower them. Um, if any of you sleep, I'll just call you out. It'll be awesome. We'll have a really good time together. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Unless it's Tori, then I will call her out. Um, okay, so I was, uh, I was tasked today um, to talk about the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And um, when Chris first asked me to do that, I was like, sweet, that's going to be in June. That's awesome. And then I looked back at the text, thankfully, a few days later, and I realized, no, he meant like this week. And I was like, right, cool, yeah, we'll do that. Um, so it's not June, and here I am. Um, but when I first, when Chris first asked me to do that, I thought, oh, interesting. Um, I mean, I've definitely thought about that, read about that, etc. But I thought, in some ways, there's frighteningly little written directly about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And you almost have to... Uh, read the scripture in layers as we do. We read it over time as we meditate on it, new flavors, new realities, new revelations come forth. So um, so if you want to come on a journey with me, that'd be great. If you have Bibles, please open them. If you have phones with a Bible app, you can have permission to use your phone. I won't be that teacher that like chucks your phone against the wall. Have you guys seen that one? It's really sweet. Anyways, um, teacher of the year award. Um, because I, I will be, if you've been around me teaching a little bit, you know that I'll be kind of all over your Bible. And I, I, I do that somewhat intentionally because we need to be better students of the entire Word of God. Um, and the witness of Jesus is everywhere on, on every page. Um, the Holy Spirit is talking about him and about you and I in the context of him all over the place. And so it's incumbent on us to see that, to learn that, to pull that in. So. I'll be all over the place, but I'm going to be mainly in the Gospels because I was kind of asked to, to do that. Um, and so here we go. So I'm going to start with a bit of a, perhaps a bit of a, um, a mind-blowing statement that you might hate me for for a few minutes, but hang on one second. And that statement is this, that Jesus was born a human, that with all the limitations of that humanity... And though being equal with God, he laid down all his divinity, all his God powers, all his Godness, he laid down. He, the scripture says he emptied himself of it to be, a, to be fully a man. So interesting because I grew up with this picture of Jesus that like he grew up a little boy and he was like helping his dad in the carpenter shop and he would just like miracle off the wood at the right point without using a saw and you know, like Jesus is like low key, like wiggling his finger and a building appears or like a chair gets made or something. And so I grew up with this like strange thought. And I don't know if any of you did. Maybe it's just me. Maybe Jesus' humanity surprised me as an adult. But the reality is, is I think most of us, if we grew up with any concept of who Jesus is in our mind, we think of the one who's doing miracles and crazy stuff. And we think that's who he always was. And for 30 years of his life, I want to argue that's not what Jesus' life looked like. 
In fact, when it says that Jesus emptied himself of all his divinity, Jesus became a man and he became a human. Um, God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, birthed him, but be, he became a human. Hebrews 2 says this, he had to be made like us in every respect. Jesus was given no like free pass to like do really great. He wasn't like, I don't know, the special kid in the class necessarily. And obviously there's something special about Jesus. He would have been the first man born in the spirit like that since Adam, but he laid it all down and became like you and I. So all the temptations, the proclivities, maybe the weaknesses, the worries, the, the things, Jesus had all of that. Now, he, he grew up with an understanding of who he was. Thankfully, his parents raised him in that, and so Jesus grew in stature, and so, and, and he lived a sinless life even as a boy, and that we, we accredit to the power of God. But um, Jesus was limited like you and I. He wasn't like walking around raising people from the dead at seven, nor at 23, nor at 29. But just to be clear, the same Jesus we read about who is doing that stuff just a little bit before, wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was, a, he was a person, a human, and he was limited in his humanity. If you already hate me, I'm sorry, but that is the truth of the scripture. And I love to kind of blow my own mind with the reality of who Jesus really was and some of ours instead of holding up maybe unhelpful thoughts. One of our easy temptations to do is to separate his life from ours and make him so extraordinary that we could never like be like him in any way um, if any of you are like me we think yeah God we're unlike him Jesus is God so I'm unlike Jesus in every way but the actual point of Jesus coming and of God sending him to be with us was so that we would see one who is actually like us but one who operated as God as he intended us to do so a little surprise for the ending. Yes, God intended for you to be like God in the earth, being like God in the earth. And that's who Jesus was. Interestingly enough, um, Jesus put it this way. He says, the son can do nothing of his own accord or his own intention, his own power, his own status. So Jesus emptied himself of that. He, he said, I can do nothing. Does that sound like a miraculously powerful, amazing human? No, it sounds like, it sounds like a you and me is what it sounds like. It sounds like Christian Caradonna and Lily Romer and Joe Snyder. It sounds like someone who on their own can do nothing. But guys, Jesus on his own could do nothing. That's not just he was like, hey, yeah, I'm having a little bit of trouble getting it to work. He's like, no, on my own, I can do nothing. The Father has given me authority because I'm a son. And then he repeats again, I can do nothing on my own. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, this great kind of English scholar, Andrew Murray, um, he, he, he wrote this, the relationship of creatures to God is one of unceasing absolute dependence. As truly as God by his power once created all things, so by that same power must God every moment maintain all things. Now you may say, Joe, but well, Jesus wasn't created. Yeah, I know, he was always there but he lived as a created person. He lived as a human and he put on all of the limitations of one who was created. And so Jesus became, like me and you, completely dependent on God, completely dependent. I need to keep 
hammering this reality that Jesus was not somehow special in his ability to just do cool stuff on his own and be amazing on his own. He depended completely on the Father for all of that. It's like that, that meme you see floating around where it's like, they say something like, yeah, I really need the Lord to lead me in my life. And somebody's like, please, you need the Lord to go to Walmart. You know, it's like that reality where we think, yeah, I got this, except when stuff gets really hard, then I need God. But the reality of Jesus is, I need God for everything. And so Jesus emptied himself of his divinity, completely dependent on God, like you and like me. Um, but Joe, what does this have to do with Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Well, it has everything to do with that. Because there was a time, drink break. Okay, okay. It's a little prophetic declaration of being filled with the water of life. Um, <clears throat> so there, there's obviously a time when this all changed, and you guys can probably remember. But why don't you look? Why don't you open up your Bibles? Um, to we're gonna go to what are we gonna go to? We're gonna go to Luke three. Um, so this all changed um, at Jesus' life. You guys might remember he didn't stay looking like me and you. Who just need him to go to Walmart all the time. He ended up looking like somebody who did all kinds of amazing things and said all kinds of amazing things and lived quite an extraordinary life. And how did he do that? When did it change? How did it change? Um, I'm going to change my mind and go to Matthew 3, actually. A little flip it up a little bit. I know Cameron's upset. I'll hear about that later. Okay, verse 16. If you're not there yet, it's fine. And when Jesus was baptized, so he comes to John the Baptist, his cousin, who is baptizing people into repentance and preparing the way for him. And Jesus himself comes to be baptized in water. It says this, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then you see from this, if you keep reading, that Jesus then, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the first time it says that. Jesus now filled with the Holy Spirit is led by the Spirit into the desert. And we'll come back to that in a moment, guys. But this filling of Jesus with the Holy Spirit, I want to argue does three things. And if we look at uh, the first, it's, it brings the presence of God to be with him. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the ongoing abiding of God's presence in intimate communion. Those who worship do so in spirit and in truth. It says this, the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. The, another translation of that is it came to abide or to remain. Now, if you know your Bibles a little, you'll know that the Holy Spirit came to rest on lots of people in a way in the Old Testament. And they did all kinds of crazy things like kill entire legions with donkey bones and all kinds of wonderful ruling and reigning and prophesying and wonderful things. But the Holy Spirit was with them for a moment. The Holy Spirit wasn't filling them, remaining on them, where they permanently just continued to function in the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came for moments, moments of time. This is different. This is different. When it says the Spirit came to rest on Jesus, 
It says that it remained on him. And God told John, Jesus' cousin, who baptized him, he said, when you see the spirit come down and remain on him, you know that that's my son. That's the one. So we have Jesus now with God's presence through the Holy Spirit with him at all times. He now has the presence, the very thick, tangible, different, more than just like, yeah, I know God, I know who he is kind of presence, but like more than the one that's like, yeah, God's everywhere. So of course he's with me more than that. It's the one that's like, I'm full of his presence. I'm, I, n- I not just know it, but I'm full of his presence. When Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he became filled with the presence of God. Secondly, we see that Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit was about his identity. And it says this, and I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the son of God. That's what John said. And Jesus said himself about this. Sorry, God said about Jesus, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit was about his identity being declared and clarified over him. Of course, Jesus knew his father. You remember when he was little and he says, Mom, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house when his family took off without him? Um, Simeon's biggest fear at times is don't leave. You know, Jesus was like that as well. Um, But he said, Mom, Dad, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? Jesus grew up with a sense of being a son of God. But guys, the Holy Spirit filling him is this constant reality of I'm a son. I'm a son. He's full of identity. He doesn't just refer to his identity, but he's full of his identity. I'm a son. I know who I am. I know who my father is. He belongs to me and I belong to him. The Holy Spirit filling brings identity. And the third thing in that moment we see is that it brings Jesus authority and power. It says he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we see later as Jesus comes into um, the synagogue to explain what's happened, the Holy Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me. And he goes on to list a million things, which we'll read in a moment. But Jesus received authority and power. So let's look at some scriptures and see where we see the filling of the Holy Spirit, bringing presence, bringing identity, and bringing authority and power. Can we do that? Okay. Okay. I'm, you guys doing okay so far? All right. I know it's not the most, there's no Disney movies this time. I know it's a little disappointing. I think one of the times I taught recently, for those of you who weren't here, I showed a clip from The Lion King. And it was, you know, it's probably better than anything I said. Um, <clears throat> All right, so let's look at this. Presence, identity, and authority. So in the life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit filled him so that he could be with God and God with him, abiding, remaining. The Holy Spirit power in him, different than before. You see Jesus before, cutting wood, building things, obeying his parents, being a good person. The Holy Spirit comes, fills him. Now there's a difference. Identity, humility, authority, power. Okay, so let's look at this. Luke 4, 1, all right? I mentioned it a minute ago. If I'm a little clumsy today, forgive me. Um, sometimes I'm aware when I'm a little clumsy speaking. It's fine. We're good. Nobody's like perfect or amazing, right? So, all right. Love you guys. All right. I just want to look at these issues of identity, authority, and presence. And we can see immediately as Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Baptism, amazing. Jesus knows. Okay. The Spirit's in me. I feel full of him. I'm ready to go do what I know I was always called to do. 
Like Jesus is like, this is the moment I'm going to go into the world and do amazing stuff. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to heal the, the eyes of the blind. I'm going to cast out demons. I'm going to declare the kingdom of God. This is going to be killer. Except the Holy Spirit said, no, Jesus, follow me. We're, and, and, and then Jesus finds himself going into a desert. And in another translation, it says the spirit drove him into the desert to be tested by the devil. What a weird turn of events when you get this mountaintop moment filled with the Holy Spirit. You're like, I'm ready to go and be what I was always called to be. And then God like says, now follow me into a very lonely and painful time because we want to do some suffering together. Has anyone, anyone ever been, is any, <laughs> my, anyone ever experienced mountaintop moments in God or seasons only to have God drive you into what feels like a wilderness for suffering? If you haven't experienced that, I humbly implore you to know that that's probably coming at some point in your life. <laughs> and it will produce what it produced in Jesus. We see Jesus fast for 40 days and nights. He is praying. He is spending time with God. We just talked about the presence of God was with him. Jesus is now practicing that presence by spending time with God. He's praying and fasting. At the end of that time, he was pretty hungry, I'm going to assert. If anyone, any of you have ever gone without eating for a few days, much less 40 days, you know that you're like ready to start eating again and ready to get on with the calling of God on your life, if we're being honest. 40 days of not doing anything, 40 days of being alone, 40 days of maybe feeling like, are we, when are we ever going to get out of this wilderness and actually do the cool stuff, God? Father, you're with me, right? And the devil comes because he knows he's vulnerable. And we see Jesus is tested in three ways. I'm just going to go through, through this quick, but guess which ways he's tested? The first way he's tested is his identity. The devil comes and says, if you're really the son of God, dot, dot, dot. If you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread because you're hungry. Take it into your own hands. His identity is tested here. Any of you, when you were young, nah, I shouldn't say any of you, most of us, when we're young, have no insecurity about where our food and care will come from. Most of us, when we're young, assume that our parents will give us food and care and shelter and all the things that we want and need. Some of us may, have, may not have that experience, and I'm really, I'm really sorry about that. I know that God is a wonderful provider, though, eventually in the end, even if our earthly parents mess that up. But Jesus, his identity as the son of the father. Now, if you ask Simeon, Simeon, are you going to eat tomorrow? Is there going to be food tomorrow? Why is there going to be food? Oh, no. Why is there going to be food tomorrow? Okay, true, that was a very spiritual answer. But practically, is there food tomorrow because you know that we're gonna provide it? Have we always provided food? Is that just part of the agreement between fathers and sons is that dads provide? Like they get food for the kids, they kill the lion or they go to pick, you know, they go to the grocery store and get the donuts or whatever we're doing, we're, okay. Sons who know who they are and know who their father is are never insecure about where their provision comes from. But the devil comes to Jesus and says, if you're really a son, why don't you figure this out yourself? Don't rely on the father. Don't depend on him. Don't rely on him. Don't be weak or empty before him. Don't need him. Just take care of it. If you're really a son, why don't you do that? His identity is tested. We know Jesus passes that test. Secondly, his authority is tested. The devil comes and said, okay, all the kingdoms of the earth, I'll give you all the authority and all the glory of that. Wait a second. 
Do you think Jesus maybe knew that all the kingdoms of the earth were going to be his? And that maybe all the glory and all the authority from those kingdoms was going to be his? Do you think maybe he understood that reality of the calling on his life? He did. He knew his scripture. He knew that the Messiah would reign over all the earth. He knew that the glory of the nations would belong to him. He knew that he would have authority in it all. But here's the devil offering a shortcut. And Jesus' authority is questioned here. But guys, our authority is connected to our assignment and calling. It's, a, it's connected to our humility and our willingness to receive it rather than take it. If you ever see someone taking authority, it's probably not theirs to use. But anyone who's given it then is given the power to use. So Jesus here, his authority's tested, his power. Um, Jesus remembered who he was. He remembered that someday he was going to rule the nations. And he didn't need a demonic shortcut to get there. But what he did need to do is rely on God. He needed to depend. And lastly, the presence. The, the enemy says, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself down. He took him to the temple, high place, Jerusalem. Throw yourself down and save yourself. And Jesus says, it, excuse me, not save yourself, but the angels will come help you. You know, he's quote, the devil's quoting scripture to him. And Jesus is like, look. I'm not going to put God to the test here. But Jesus knew that he's not testing the presence of God. Like, go and do something and see if God comes to chase you. Um, in other words, like, why don't you just, Sim, why don't you just run away and see if I come get you? Did he leave? He did run away. Okay. Um, basically, the devil's like, just run away and see if God even cares about you. See if he's even with you. You know, see if his angels actually come help you. See if God actually, and, and Jesus is like, no, I don't need to test my father. I know who I am. I know he's with me. And the word of God says not to test him. And so the Holy Spirit fills Jesus and confers on him a solid sense of identity, authority, and presence. And then the devil immediately comes to steal all three away. But Jesus, thankfully, stays full of the Holy Spirit and is not compromised by these temptations. He's not compromised them. In fact, the scripture says that he went into the desert filled with the Holy Spirit, but came out of the desert clothed with power. Clothed with power. And that came from Jesus' humility and submission to God and God's process, into God and God's presence, into God and his spirit. You may remember that point when the disciples have a hard time casting a demon out of someone and they come and say, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus says, well, that one, that kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And obviously confusing scripture at times, when we look at the connection and the reality between our neediness of God and our humility and then our authority, you can see that they're connected. If we are submitted in needy and dependent, you are at your highest place of authority. And, and prayer and fasting produces humility and dependence on God in a way nothing else does. And so Jesus reminds them, hey, it's from your low station. It's from your emptiness of yourself. It's from yourself not filling yourself with food and drink that you get your power. It's from you being weak and then you're strong. You might remember 1 Corinthians later when Paul is given by the Lord something to humble him, to lower him, because Paul at this moment, had seen so many amazing things in the spirit that he was at risk of being conceited. Any of you at risk of being conceited because you've like seen some pretty, I don't know, not, not me either. Okay, but Paul had seen some pretty amazing things in the spirit and God said, son, in order for you to not become conceited, I'm going to humble you by giving you 
something painful in your body. We don't know exactly what that is. It says a thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows. But the moral of the story is God ends up saying, Paul, hey, I'm not taking this one away from you. You're going to live with this weakness. Paul didn't like that idea, but God said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm going to say that again. My power is made perfect or complete in your weakness. Guys, when we are weak and dependent on God, when we are emptied of ourselves and full of him, you are at your most powerful. You are at your most full of authority, and the demons will flee, and the sicknesses will flee out of the people you're praying for because you are a person who's built a dependence and a need on God that he fills with his Holy Spirit. It's not just that you go empty when you empty yourself. It's that you fast and you pray and you empty yourself of yourself, and God is pleased to fill that space with his Holy Spirit. And that space changes you. So he comes out of the desert full of the Holy Spirit and in the power of God. And the rest of the Gospels looks like this. Teaching, preaching, healing, resting, praying, eating, traveling, teaching, healing, praying, casting out demons, healing, teaching, healing, teaching, praying, eating, teaching, praying, suffering, dying, resurrecting, teaching, commanding, ascending. That's what the rest of the Gospels look like after Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of that sounds amazing. The suffering dying part doesn't sound super great, but we're promised that one. If we die with him, we'll live with him. So that, that's good. We're good there. We don't have to do that for him. But guys, all the declaring, teaching, praying, healing, casting out demons, all the cool stuff that we think of when we think of Jesus, he did all of that after coming into an experience of being filled by the Holy Spirit, that being graciously tested by his father through the devil, and all three of those things, the presence of God, are you secure in his presence with you? Are you secure in who you are as a son or a daughter, in him as your father? Do you understand your position in relating to him? Do you know that he wants to give you everything he can give you? It says that the father gave Jesus the spirit in abundance, without measure. And he wants to do the same for you and I. Well, you may say, well, why wouldn't Jesus have done all that stuff anyway? Wouldn't he have just done it if none of that had happened? The reality is, is that uh, John 3 says this. Jesus' ability to speak the words of God. Excuse me, verse 34 in John 3. For he whom God has sent, Jesus, utters the words of God or speaks God's word because he gives the spirit to Jesus without measure. Jesus' ability to speak the word of God was completely dependent on God giving him the spirit without measure. Acts 10, Peter says this when explaining what's happening to Cornelius in his house. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see the God with him part, the presence of God with him? Jesus was able to do all that he did because the Holy Spirit enabled him. Jesus laid down his ability to do God's stuff when he became a man. God restored it all when filling him with the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you a question at this point. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, if he needed the filling of the Holy Spirit to be and do all that he did, if Jesus required not just to be born of the Spirit, which he was, 
but to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed that to do everything that Jesus did, and if the scripture tell us, tells us that it's only by the filling of the Holy Spirit that he actually did all the stuff that he did. If we're called to do the stuff that he did, do you think maybe we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit as well? And I, do you think maybe if Jesus needed the filling of the Holy Spirit to be Jesus, do you think that you and I need the filling of the Holy Spirit to be who we were called to be? This is the reality we're working with guys is that when we empty ourselves and ask him to fill us, you become not just Tory or Shelby or David. You become Tory, Shelby, and David, full of God, called to go fill the earth with that presence that's full in you. And um, I will spare you 107 scriptures that I would love to read um, because you don't want to listen to me all night. Um, but the reality, guys, is, is that God wants to take your emptiness. And some of us think we're pretty, I'm going to be honest, some of us think we're pretty good on our own. Some of us think we have it pretty well put together. Some of us think, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Like, I love the Lord. I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing really good. I, like, I've got it. And we miss the reality that every day, you need him more than you could possibly imagine. The other reality that we often miss is that he wants to empower you to live your life more than you can possibly imagine. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit without measure. He wants you to walk in all the works that Jesus walked in. Because when Jesus got up in the synagogue and quoted from Isaiah saying, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up or heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives and the prisoner and the opening of the prison for those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus said that, he was declaring who he was. He said, this scripture is fulfilled now, as in your hearing. And he said this right after coming out of the desert. But the reality is, guys, is that's the life we're called to. I mean, if you recognize all of those realities, proclaiming good news to the poor, healing the brokenhearted, comforting those who mourn, opening up the eyes of the blind, casting out demons from those who are oppressed, letting the prisoner free. Does any of that sound like maybe what we're called to do every day? The reality is, is this is the life we're called to. And guys, we need him more than we can possibly imagine to do any of that. Andrew Murray also said this, humility is simply acknowledging the truth of your position as a creature in yielding to God his place. If you and I will acknowledge our low position and our need for him, our emptiness without him, and if you will allow him to be father and you to be empowered, um, full of authority, son and daughter, he will do amazing things with your life. I promise you he will as you lay it down you will experience life like you've never known because you're gonna know his presence, his power, his filling and identity. Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples about sending the Holy Spirit, he said, I am not leaving you as orphans, but I'm sending one 
to be in you. On and on. We'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. Many of us live with an orphan spirit about ourselves. We don't know that we belong. We don't know that he's our father and we're his son or his daughter. We don't know. It's like we grew up in the house of the king but live like, a, like someone without a home or a family. It's like you were born into the house of the ruler of the universe, but we walk around thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am or what I'm doing. Guys, I think both of these realities are here. We either think too much of ourselves or too little. And the reality is, is sober judgment means having a right view of who you are. The right view of who you are is without him, you're nothing, and with him, you have everything that you could possibly imagine. And he doesn't just give that, guys, in some kind of random way, like, yeah, he gives it through the filling of his Holy Spirit. We can look at the scripture through and through and through, and I know I've done possibly a, a little bit of a poor job even explaining this reality, but guys, he wants to fill you. If you know him, that is amazing because you've been born into his kingdom through his Holy Spirit. Jesus was born through the power of the Spirit as well. But Jesus, being born of the Spirit, also needed to be filled with the Spirit to do what God called him to do. And I want to suggest that you and I do as well. So, like Jesus did when he stood up in the temple, he says this, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, believe, that word believe, trust, depend, rely. Whoever trust, depends, relies, absolutely, as if I do on this table, holding me up right now, and if I let go, I'll fall. Do you depend on God that way? Is, is all your weight on him? That word means to put all your weight into him. If you trust, believe, lean, rely on him, as the scripture says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed were about to receive. 